Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast network of wise music swamis making these audio podcasts. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 228. I'm calling this Corporate Solo Albums. I tried to think of another snappy name. I I thought of putting the word insipid in there or dreary or whatever, but then I'm thinking, oh, are they all going to line up? And then I thought, should I put 80s in? And then I realized somewhere from the 90s, maybe I wanted to talk a little bit about the 70s. Um, so yeah, just to keep it nice and general and use the term that I or- originally thought of, you know, corporate, right? What does corporate mean? Um, you know, I, I think uh, basically uh, we all know what it means, but it means uh, on a major label, uh, you know, a lot of musicians, producers, expensive, it sounds very commercial, all that stuff that we're going to get to. Um but yeah, so this is basically about these solo albums, uh, and and most of these are going to uh, align to certain rules, and as usual, I've, bro- I've broken them into categories. But the whole idea here is, I, I started thinking about this one earlier before I started thinking of an episode I might call Shadow Catalogs, but I thought, uh, in a sense... Um, this aligns with that somewhat in that there are some catalogs of bands and maybe they're not even big catalogs that we tend to forget that there's a very similar album that could fit into the catalog that happens to be by one of the key members of the band doing a solo album sort of thing. So this is a little bit like that, but it's also a little bit like um, all these albums are kind of similar in that. Uh, so these are solo albums that uh, that are essentially you know one or two off. That these are not exactly solo careers that these guys went on. And you're going to notice also. <laughs> well, there's a lot of similarities we'll get to, but you're also going to notice that these are all American artists because I frankly I think these American artists are the ones who are sitting around L.A. bored and can go out with uh, big shots from the record label or A and R people or producers and. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's there's relationships that are forged when you actually live in Hollywood. Right. Um, close to close to where most of the record labels are. Um, 
And I think sometimes this is why some of these albums come come up. You know, other reasons they come up are, um, you know, you are essentially forced into, like, the band splits acrimoniously. They may get back together again at another time or whatever, but you're essentially, uh, you got to do something. That's one thing. And some of these albums happen uh, because... Uh, there is this idea where management or the label kind of kind of grabs you by the back of your collar and says, we kind of think you're a star. Um, we want to try something with you. We want to try make you a star. You really are the star of this band. Uh, everybody looks at you and asks you for the interviews anyways. Why not make a solo album? We'll see if we could uh, make some money here, right? Because that's kind of how all these sort of feel like, right? Um, you know, the other similarity I think you're going to find in these is that there's not really a particularly high, high creative drive. There's not a big reason to do these albums. Um, they just, they're, they're just kind of arrangements, right? Um, but yeah, we're going to look at the, the, um, the, the similarities of these further uh, as we get into the tracks. Uh, let's do that now, I guess. Um, so yeah, take a listen to our first selection. This is Lou Graham with Just Between You and Me. How it gets back to me You're getting reckless, girl Okay, so this is from Long Hard Look. So this is the second one after Ready Ready and Not, uh, Ready or Not. Uh, this is 1989. The theme here is these album covers. So I wanted to pick one that really, um, you know, aligns with this album cover thing. So I like that the title is Long Hard Look because what what you get out of these corporate solo albums is, uh, you know, that that rock star just him on the cover, staring at or her. Stevie Nicks kind of fits into this a little bit. Um, uh, you know, uh, what's her name from the motels? I, I think I, I, I think they, she's got one too. I didn't really include it here, but um, but yeah, the idea is uh, is this Lou Graham cover is perfect for our cover theme because uh, it's just Lou on the cover. And what else do we have? We have a black and white photo, right? So these are often black and white photos, um, very conservative corporate type. Um, so we don't go too crazy. Solo artists don't get logos, basically, right? Um, so yeah, we've got that. Um, we've got uh, sort of, uh, you know, these guys are often in suit jackets. You know, the Robin Zander album from 1993 is another perfect one. So you got a black and white photo. You got a close-up shot, um, looking pensive. It's self-titled again, kind of a arch 90s sort of font. Uh, Buck Dharma flat out, uh, not as characteristic cover-wise, but. Uh, it, it does have that clean sort of look. I mean, he's on portrait, right? Uh, so uh, CBS portrait. So so it definitely looks like an expensive, sumptuous, sumptuous photo shot. It's a very good photograph. Fee Way Bill Read My Lips. Ah, it doesn't quite fit in, in this whole thing. Um, Tommy Shaw, though, definitely does. I've, I've taken a couple of these out. Well, what do we got here? So I just go through these. So yeah, Lou Graham, Long Hard Look. You know, he's just kind of looking out of the catalog. That's the other, the other thing. Catalog camera. Um, that's the other thing. You often get uh, part of their face in shadow or shadows on these things. And Lou Graham, half his face is in shadow. So you're getting a long, hard look from one eye, basically. He's got his hand up in a, in a sort of thoughtful way. Um, so that's that one. Um, you know, Bob Geldof, I think, kind of fits in this too. Moving on from the... Um, 
from the Boomtown Rats. I'm looking at one that I have on CD here, The Vegetarians of Love. I know he's, I think he's got an earlier one that's even more sumptuous looking, but this, he kind of makes fun of it and scratches out his face, but it is a black and white photograph of just Bob, right? Um, let's see, where are my Tommy Shaw's? So I've got some Tommy Shaw's here that fit into this. Um, girls with guns. Uh, well, there's a picture of him and uh, and a girl holding up a hand like a gun. So that's not particularly characteristic. But the What If album is perfect. Uh, it's a black and white photo again where Tommy's just kind of looking at, looking, uh, you know, thoughtfully out. And there's a woman in the background. It's all soft focus sort of thing. Same thing with uh, Ambition from him. Another black and white photo, like a very arty sort of photo shoot. Kind of a cool photo there. Um, you know, other ones that fit into this covers thing. Um, Rex Smith, Forever. Uh, black and white photo again of just Rex Smith. Uh, kind of girly writing on it. So that's another little bit of a clue these things happen. And I think uh, the, the most iconic uh, in terms of uh, the whole cover thing uh, that fits into this, although the artist doesn't fit totally into it, but the artist does sort of fit into this. Don Henley, The End of Innocence. So again, very classy, expensive looking situation of uh, type typefaces and fonts. And uh, there he is, you know, with the 90s haircut, the hair hanging down, and he's got a cigarette in his hand, he's looking out at you. Um, and then inside jobs, kind of the same thing, only it's a, co a color shot, but he's, he's you know, looking out. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to pick one that, that again, doesn't really fit the idea of this show, but it fits the aesthetic. Uh, Lawrence Gowan, um, but you can call me Larry. So this has a, has a really sort of iconic Hugh Syme sort of feel. And, well, Hugh Syme did it. Um, but it's, uh, it's basically another one of these um, soft focus black and white pictures, kind of sepia tone, um, you know, very thoughtful sort of, uh, typefaces and stuff. I mean, Hugh Syme really has this, uh, this, um, dated to the nineties sort of look. And, uh, and, um, you know, this is one that definitely feels that way, uh, for that. Um, what else do we got here for the cover thing? Kane Roberts, uh, Saints and Sinners, some more of the second Kane, Ro Kane Roberts, black and white photo, kind of a sultry shot. Uh, another totally iconic one for this is uh, Eric Martin, I'm Only Fooling Myself. Again, black and white, in shadow, self-titled. Back cover is black and white. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, actually, yeah, the, he's he's got a few different ones with a few different looks. And even Lou Graham, Ready or Not, fits this. Uh, the Mick Jones album uh, by Foreigner totally fits this. Black and white, kind of blurry shot. It's a self-titled. Uh, Barry Goudreau, uh, he's sort of standing there. It's muted colors. Sports jackets is a big thing here too. So, so in these 80s and 90s uh, album, uh, these solo albums, these corporate solo albums, the guys are dressed up kind of corporate, right? Um, they're, they're often in these like, like um, you know, sport jackets, not particularly suits, but they're kind of looking that way. Um, the JoLynn Turner album, um, you know, it, even though it's a color shot, um, this Rescue Me album, um, it's, uh, it's basically, he's looking pensive. He's kind of doing that clutching his, uh, his hand, uh, his, um, you know, shirt that he kind of does. Um, yeah, so that's, that's our first theme is, is yeah, the, the graphics of these things is your first clue that you are into one of these corporate solo albums. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. 
And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, back again here. History in five songs with Martin Popoff. Um, yeah, so so this theme, I don't know it's it's kind of a weird theme, isn't it? I mean, I I don't think anybody's really talked about these things, but it's it's like a forgotten little part of the music industry uh, that I wanted to celebrate and remind people about these albums. When we get to the last category, sound, um, you know, sound style, where we talk about the music a little bit. Um, you know, I, there's not a there's not a lot of great value to these unless you specifically like this kind of music. Let me kind of tell you what kind of music it is as we get there. But um, let's go on to our second selection here. This is Eric Martin. These are the good times. All right, so the idea here is, uh, the, the theme here is producers. Uh, you know, Richie Zito, 1987. So Richie Zito gets involved in a lot of these kind of corporate sort of albums. He's got this this big, uh, you know, uh, modern drum sound and uh, the keys are braying sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, Buck Dharma flat out on Portrait. Um, you know, uh, well, that's that's kind of a self-produced sort of thing. Robin Zander, uh, there's five producers on the Robin Zander album from 93. So Robin Zander only has the two things, uh, the two albums, but you see such a marked difference in the sound and the style and even the look of them. But the 93 one is so iconically one of these corporate um, corporate solo albums. So five producers, including Jimmy Eovine, right? Um, so he, you know, the big shot uh, there. Uh, Fee Waybill, Read My Lips. Uh, you've got David Foster and Steve Lukather. Um, let's see. Uh, Kane Roberts, Saints and Sinners, produced by Desmond Child. Um, we've got uh, Lou Graham, Long Hard Look, is Peter Wolf and Eric Tomgren. Um, Barry Goudreau's album, so the Boston guy, his album is Barry and John Boylan. Eric, uh, yeah, Eric Martin is Richie Zito, as we mentioned. JoLynn Turner, interestingly enough, Roy Thomas Baker. Um, so you know, I looked at a whole bunch of these. There's there's a lot of names that um, that I uh, that I don't know, and some of them are self-produced, like a Mick Jones uh, knows what he's doing kind of thing. But again. Um, 
it's it's all you get this LA involvement where it's where it's kind of mixed in with uh, with these big producers and, and songwriters for, that are right there on the scene uh, that the, these uh, that these records get made with. Okay, let's move on to our third selection here. This is Fee Waybill with Saved My Life. Okay, so what do we think of this album? So, so again, I keep forgetting this uh, album exists somewhat. I'm looking at my copy now. I got it signed by Fee and Prairie Prince and Roger Steen. These guys are kind of in, involved uh, a little bit, but um, but basically, um, no. I mean, essentially, um, this feels exactly like um, a Tubes album, but again, a little more corporate, a little more pop, a little less quirky, a little bit less charm. Uh, the theme here is musicians. Uh, so when you get to these records, you get a lot of you get a lot of guest musicians and big superstars. You get a lot of studio people. So on Fee's album, you've got David Foster, who we just mentioned produces as well, keyboard Steve Lukather. He's a notorious guy that shows up on a lot of these kinds of records. Um, guitar Jerry Murata, drum from the Peter Gabriel band, right? Mike Landau, guitar, Larry Klein, bass, Steve Percaro, uh, keyboard, synth programming. Uh, you know, the Robin Zander album, even though Robin does guitars, keyboards, vocals, there's about 40 musicians on that thing, uh, including Greg Bissonette, Mike Campbell, Don Felder, Mick Fleetwood. Uh, the Buck Dharma album, again, self-produced, but, uh, you know, you'd never know it. I mean, it doesn't sound like a particularly like a Blue Oyster Cult production or even or even like a bad production that someone who isn't a producer would do. It just sounds really clean and aseptic and, again, kind of corporate, kind of anemic. Um, Players-wise on that, you've got Dennis Dunaway, Neil Smith from, you know, the Alice Cooper family who are close by, right? Um, Steve Jordan, Will Lee, Ron, Ron Riddle, and Rick Downey. So you get some Blue Oyster Cult-associated guys there. Um, but yeah, otherwise this one, you know, he's, um, the thing with Buck is he's an East Coast guy, right? So, so you don't, you don't get this large proponent, you know, uh, proponent of these, uh, or, or propensity or whatever of these LA guys coming in. Um, you know, Dennis DeYoung, uh, Boom Child in 1989, you got a million musicians on that. Kane Roberts, Saints and Sinners, the drummer is Myron Grumbacher, right? From, uh, Pat Benatar and, uh, and, uh, Derringer. Um, Lou Graham has Nils Lofgren as part of his album. Mick Jones has about 30 musicians on that. Ian Hunter, Hugh McCracken, Andy Newmark, Dennis Elliott. So you get, you often get on these corporate solo albums, you do get a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, the band uh, coming in sometimes as well, you know, showing that band relations are generally not that bad, I suppose, in some cases. He's also got Billy Joel guesting on there, Carly Simon. Um, the Eric Martin album's got uh, Nathan East, Mickey Curry, Vinnie Colaiuta, uh, Richie Zeta, three or four guitarists, bass and keyboards and drummers uh, on that one. Joe Lynn Turner's album has Alan Greenwood, Chuck Berge, Bobby Misano. So again, you know, it's it's interesting. You've got Alan Greenwood from Florida in there, but again, we've got an East Coast thing getting put together here. So it so it it feels a little less corporate than if you were if you were a West Coast sort of band. But yeah, this Eric Martin situation is interesting because, you know, he before he has the Eric Martin band and you can you can kind of see 
you can kind of see this thing happening where, okay, now we're really trying this. We're really trying, you know, you can hear from the sound of that song um, that, that we're really trying to, uh, let's, let's see if we can make this guy a pop star right and and we're going to bring in all the 80s tropes to uh to try work it that way and see if we could break this guy big because the other sort of theme with this episode is that um there are there are guys who make these iconic corporate solo albums um but i didn't include the ones uh in in effect that uh it worked uh so they go on to have a solo career so you've got your your likes of your john waits um, you know, and again, um, like I say, sometimes these things start because the old band breaks up and what else are you going to do? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody sits down and says, well, let's, let's not try the old tired brand that didn't work anyways. Let's try this new band. Let's just use your name. Right. Billy Squire is another example of that where, you know, you, you could say, uh, there was one of these, but then all of a sudden, you know, he's doing better than Piper. Um, so we, so we move on to that. All right, let's move on to our next theme, which is songwriters. Um, take a listen to this. This is Kane Roberts with Twisted. Okay, so uh, again, even, even well, the first one, the first one looks so different and, and sounds different. It doesn't. Uh, I, I don't really feel it gets included in this. But man, this Kane Roberts album. Um, so Saints and Sinners, the second one. Uh, the songwriters on this song are Desmond Child, Diane Warren, and Kane Roberts. Uh, and you listen to it, and it absolutely sounds like a song that could have gone on an Alice Cooper album it could have gone on Kiss Hot in the Shade um, or uh, Crazy Nights uh, so so yeah it's uh, it's absolutely um, and there's a bunch of material in here that just sounds like like Alice, Alice Cooper trash hey, hey stupid type stuff right um, but yeah in the songwriting uh, front we've got the Robin Zander album uh, almost every song on there so this is iconically how these things happen as well almost every song on there is Robin writing with somebody and, and we know Robin Zander does that he's a, he's a song collaborator at times so he's, he's done this for other bands and in Cheap Trick and whatnot um, but so yeah that's an interesting thing you see with these these corporate solo albums so it's Robin writing with a bunch of different people but Neil Young's on there Dave Stewart's on there there's a Harry Nilsson song on there um Fee Waybill read my lips again Foster Lukather Waybill so they're almost all David Foster um you know which is about as corporate as you can get um and Steve Lukather and Fee uh and there's one with Richard Marks um We've got uh, the Lou Graham album is uh, is basically Lou and Bruce Turgeon. Um, although when we get to a long hard look, you've got uh, Bruce Turgeon and Peter Wolf. Uh, Peter Wolf was a big part of that album. The Barry Goudreau album is kind of interesting because you've got Brad Delp and Fran Cosmo. So you've got an early iconic Boston member and a later Boston member um, and Barry. So that's that's pretty in house. That's uh, that's not too bad. Um, 
Eric Martin is all kind of like publishing house songs, like singer song, you know, song doctor songs, right? That's that's kind of the idea here. Um, Joe Lynn Turner, you've got Joe and Alan Greenwood. So the foreigner guy, the keyboardist. Um, so it's Joe writing with his keyboardist mostly. Uh, Rex Smith, who we're going to talk about as a, as a kind of an interesting special case. Um, you know, you get a lot of covers and you get the Chin Chapman thing. That's come up a couple of times on here, but that's more of an earlier old school thing. You got Steve Lawrence, Bruce Hart on on things uh the, the beginning of the album starts out like that um okay let's move on to our fifth selection here take a listen to this this is tommy shaw with lonely school Okay, so this is from Girls With Guns, and the theme here is the sound and the style of these albums. And I know we've, we've dropped in on this a little bit, but uh, let's let's look at a few of them. So the Buck Dharma albums, well, so, so let's start with this album. This is, I wanted to pick this because it is so mean, median, average of this sound, right? It's, it's pop, it's hard rock, it's stadium rock, it's brain keyboards, it's every different style of pop, it's, it's, it's uh, quiet and loud. Uh, it's anthemic choruses, right? Um, so, it, and and more than anything, it's that production sound that you get on these corporate solo albums. They're almost all, like I say, they're all like a L.A. dripping in L.A. sort of styles, right? Um, and sounds and and these these dated production sounds from the '80s with the big clattering clattery tom toms, big snare, um, you know, tight clacky bass bass drum as well quite often uh but the buck dharma album as we all say uh in the blue oyster cult business it's basically a poppy blue oyster cult album like very poppy uh poppier than anything they'd ever done um and very clean and very kind of conservatively played um the fee the fee bill is is like a loud braying obnoxious 80s tubes album right so it's it's like the poppier songs off of like outside inside and uh whatchamacallit what's the other one called uh anyways th- those those later albums and and completion background principle to some extent but but more of like an an, an 80s vibe uh the robin Zanders exactly like the eric martin and uh pretty much like the tommy shaw and pretty much like uh who else the joel and turner somewhat um the kane roberts is more like uh, pop metal, hair metal, as we said, uh, kind of like the commercial side of Alice Cooper. A big, massive production sound on that. Uh, the Eric Martin brings in a little bit. I almost could have included this version of Eric Martin a little bit in the Bruce Bruce Springsteen family idea, right? But he's more like in the John Waite family. Um, so it's got these... Um, you know, these typical sort of heartland, Rust Belt, Midwest rock sort of choruses uh, to it. A little bit of bad company to it, uh, but more like more like 80s bad company. Um, but yeah, Eric Martin uh, kind of fits with John Waite. Um, but like I say, you know, he, he was he was sort of made to try this solo thing, tried it a couple of times, um, and then Mr. Big happens, right? Um, the Mick Jones and the Lou Grams, uh, all of them are essentially shadow catalog of Foreigner. They're basically like poppy, 
poppy foreigner uh, essentially the steve perry totally fits this thing they it sounds exactly like the mean median average of all of these just very poppy and the joe lynn turner big keyboards again clattery drums uh rex smith uh we're going back to kind of an earlier that's right i didn't actually pick any any rex smith to play here but i wanted to talk about him for a second because uh you know david krebs is a good buddy of mine and um you know he's whole, told me that whole story about so essentially what you have with rex smith is you have um you know an early blueprint of this idea it's different than the alice cooper one um different but but a little similar but it's but it's much more deliberate and much more corporate i mean alice cooper continues on with welcome to my nightmare as a solo artist but it's not particularly corporate and he kind of keeps the same sound right um but with rex smith the idea is uh you know management yanks rex out of rex smith and uh, says, you know, you're really the David loves Rex Smith. I mean, he thinks he he is an absolute star, and it worked out. I mean, they they made a great career for Rex Smith as a recording career, as an actor, uh, as well in theater, as well as as on uh, in TV and movies, right? Um, but uh, but essentially, what they did is they made Rex uh, kind of. I got I've got three of my Rex albums here. They made Rex uh, essentially a uh, you know a teeny bopper pop star, a heartthrob sort of thing. Uh, the first one is uh, is sooner or later, and it's got completely girly writing on it, and it's just Rex, a big picture of Rex smiling. There's a bit of a link back to the first Rex album because he's in a red shirt. Um, but yeah, and then on the back there's a, there's a woman um, in a soft kind of focus. And, and she's got like a locket around her neck with a picture of Rex in it. So, uh, and then uh, Forever is the black and white photo. So that's, so that's the iconic look used in the 80s. Uh, Everlasting Love, just, you know, big picture of Rex's face on the cover. That is another thing that you see in these corporate uh, solo albums. Even bigger face on the back fills up almost the whole thing called everlasting love camouflage just picture of rex uh looking kind of muscular on a white background um and then uh, another big picture of rex on a white background on the back so that's kind of what you do with these uh with these corporate solo albums as well um so yeah there you go those are our, our all our themes uh again we had album covers we had uh there's there's certain trends with producers there's certain trends with musicians there's certain trends with how the songs are written and uh there's a certain sound uh so those were our five categories my honorable mentions i mean you guys can tell me on the facebook page whether these line up or not um i've put them here because they line up in some ways and not in other ways jeff lynn you might think about you might think about roger hodson you might think about greg lake um steve jones actually kind of fits this uh he's he's uh what is he he's almost well besides our honorable mentions he's he's kind of our first uh first british guy well i mean we might add few few you know semi-british guys along the way here but um but yeah, so Steve Jones, uh, so and he's also coming from a completely different discipline. But you think of fire and gasoline and the idea. So so he kind of fits this because he moves to L.A. and he just becomes a guy hanging around, right? And then and then so they they put him forward. Even the album cover looks like okay, we're gonna try and make you a solo star. We're talking about the Sex Pistols guy here, right? Um, so he fits in this thing as well. Richard Marks kind of fits, except he's never been a band guy. He's more of like a solo. But but the look of the albums, the sound the writers all that stuff totally totally fits this it's just that you know he's not the corporate solo album the one-off let's try this did it work did it not work 
you know, blah, blah, blah. Debbie Harry, right? So you get Debbie Harry, Cuckoo and all that. You know, she's she's blondie. Let's try Debbie Harry, see what happens. Freddie Mercury, does that fit? Mr. Bad Guy, I don't know. Um, Stevie Nicks, does that fit? David Gilmore, again, not really. Because, you know, when I'm feeling there's... Um, there's uh, there seems to be a little bit more of an elevated level of creativity and a reason to make these albums. Uh, it 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 takes it away from from just being this kind of insipid, dreary, corporate, stifled, claustrophobic, aseptic uh, sort of idea. So does that really fit? I don't really think so. Don Dockin up from the ashes. You know, I wanted to mention this one because the other thing with a lot of these albums is that. They're not particularly a lot different than than what they did in the old band, anyways, right? Um, and and I think that you get that with um, that. Mick Phelan had men- uh, mentioned a couple of these. I asked him, and he he gave some suggestions. It gave some food for thought, even though I felt like it was a little off. But he mentioned Peter Chris. Um, so you know, I don't. That's the other cool thing about this this um this concept is that I went through a ton of the big bands and you don't really feel that there are too many of these from most of the big bands. It, it, it is a bit of a rarity. Um, and then when you see that similarity, that's what I found amusing and wanted to do. But here's one that's kind of interesting. So you, you, you do get these from, it's not just classic rock that does these, but John Doe, Paul Westerberg, Bob Mould, um, John Doe, you, you know, the first one's got a black and white picture. It looks a little arty, right? Compared to X. It's like, it's like mellower, more country, more roots, rocky X. Um, so that kind of fits this idea. Uh, let's try make a star out of John Doe because it hasn't really turned out great for X. Same with Paul Westerberg. You start moving away. You get up into uh, you know um, don't look don't look down uh, no don't look down all shook down. Um, you get into those later years and, you know, at the end, you've got an album that was supposed to be a Paul Westerberg solo album. Then he goes solo and what do you get? You get the black and white pictures. It looks kind of, you know, pretentious or, you know, it's less goofy, right? It's like, oh, we're making him out to be this serious artist. Maybe we can have a hit with this guy as a solo guy. So there's kind of a bit of a corporate bent in in uh, replacements, uh, you know, assuaging over to becoming a uh, Paul Westerberg, right? Bob Mould, kind of the same thing. You had a Husker do, you got Sugar, but you got Bob Mould as a solo artist. Uh, what was that called? Workbook or whatever. Uh, you know, but it was, it was more serious looking, more thoughtful, right? Um, and musically, he's, he's kind of the same tooling, even though he does some some uh, more electronic stuff as well, but um, kind of the same thing. Um, does Mick Jagger fit in this? So, you know, you get solo albums out of these guys because they're fighting and they can't get Rolling Stones albums out or whatever. But the Mick Jagger albums, um, they almost feel like they could fit into this thing because they are, they are, you know, big guest stars and very corporate. And you can tell a lot of work went into them, right? Um, so it kind of feels that way as well. Um, and then reaching back to the 70s, you might pick something like the Dan McCafferty solo album from Nazareth. So it fits here. You know, it's all like outside songwriting. Um, but, you know, the idea again is uh, let's throw let's throw Dan to the wall and see if he sticks, right? Let's see if we can make a pop icon uh, out of the most important guy in the band. David Johansson's career feels a little bit like this as well um, because, you know, you basically stick him on the cover of the, all those albums. He's cut his hair. Um, it's just looking a little more upscale than New York Dolls. The songs are 
a little snappier, a little more immediate, a little more commercial. Um, so the idea is, can we turn David Johansson into a star and finally cash in on that legendary status? Um, I feel they did a bit of this with Roger Daltrey from time to time, right? Trying to turn him into a pop star. Um, and, uh, you know, I've mentioned John Waite, Billy Squire, Don Henley. They kind of fit in a different category because they're they're successful and they have, um, you know, a long run as solo artists. And Phil Collins doesn't really fit this either because I don't really feel like that first Phil Collins album, even though it sounds corporate, I don't think the motivation was this L.A. thing we were talking about here. Um, so it doesn't quite fit. Uh, Mick Phelan mentioned, and I thought this was completely valid, Chris Cornell's Screams. We've got some later examples here. Um, I feel that was an idea of let's try make this guy a pop star, and then they put him together. I think Timbaland's part of that thing. Um, but yeah, you know, outside people, different sound, um, you know, the look of it as well. And then I feel you kind of get that with Vince Neil exposed as well. Uh, put him together with some guys, make a better version of, of uh, Motley Crue, you know, with less personality, like saw off the personality edges uh, and just put him in front of this tight, efficient band. Even the, even the front cover looks arty. Um, it's technically, I guess, a black and white picture, but it's a little little more than that, I suppose. Um, Mick Phelan mentioned Fiergal Sharkey. Um, he mentioned Midge Ur, The Gift. He mentioned David Crosby, uh, Oh Yes I Can. I don't feel the Tommy Lee that he mentioned, Never Dull Moment, really fits this. Angry Anderson kind of fits. You know, I even thought Derringer, Rick Derringer, going back to being uh, from Derringer, after If I Weren't So Romantic, I'd Shoot You, to Guitars and Women, Rick Derringer, um, feels a little bit like this as well. Feels like somebody thought, ah, let's put the Derringer brand aside uh, and let's get this uh, get this Derringer thing going again. Uh, or Rick Derringer. So there you go. Uh, those are That is our sad uh, Sunday afternoon soap opera, dusty soap opera, weekday afternoon. You know, when you turn your TV on and you see a soap opera and it almost makes you fall asleep immediately and you got to panic. And uh, maybe this is just me. Uh, but it is a funny thing about me. I, I get instantly depressed if I crank on a TV in the afternoon and I see a soap opera. I, I immediately lose energy and uh, and get depressed and uh, and got to gotta, panic and turn the channel really quickly uh and that's what these corporate solo albums feel like to me this just this is just a, a part of the industry where I, I don't like almost most of these right um almost any time they do this it just feels cynical and commercial and uh, we're just after the money and did these albums really need to happen um we're just moving around a bunch of parts and seeing if we can have a hit kind of thing um there you go if you like the show and want to support future episodes go to ko-fi.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button uh and buy me a coffee or a pint it's a three dollar paypal kind of thing that's why they say that uh this week i want to thank joe Becht. Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Jamie Laszlo. Thanks again, Jamie. I mean, I love doing our shows together. We've got our our um, regular Wednesday, 7 o'clock Eastern album cover shows. And Jamie's been on on probably all those, right, Jamie? Um, and uh, and it's it's been a blast. And we we keep uh, keep doing those. Pretty interesting. Augustine Garcia de Prides, Philip Edward Phyllis, Steve Polari, John Stuckey, William Walker, Daryl Woodard, 
Um, actually, yeah. What do we got here? Dan Wilson, Robert, Robert Yates. Uh, I think I mixed two no, uh, two, <laughs> two lists together. There's a bit of there's a bit of last week and this week in that one. Um, for the books, uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. I I just got in the sun goes down, the second part of the Thin Lizzy story. Um, I I got the new one of that one, Emerald. Um, what else did I run out of that I just got from Weimer? Um, Oh yeah, it was out of Smoke and Valves. That came in, but I got more of the Cure one, the Cure panel book, the Bluish Chacal panel book. Still got the Who, still got David Bowie, all those big expensive ones. Kiss will be back in stock in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, there you go. Um, I don't know what to uh, recommend to go play out of all these, frankly. But you know what? I really got a soft spot for those Eric Martin albums. I just love that guy as an artist. I love his later solo albums. Um, man, uh I play I play a lot of those records a lot and and even this one I was pleasantly surprised I mean that that one really feels like it should have been a massive massive hit um, most of these actually feel that way that somebody could have made them a hit if they wanted to but that one in particular so go play some Eric Martin find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.